Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to episode 18 of Mass Mayhem. Um, and I wish this show was over already. <laughs> <laughs> I am your host, Dave Jan Mike. Joining me is Toon Master Toon. Hello, everybody. Good to be back again with you this week. Yes, that is right. Um, and this week, thankfully, we only have two episodes to review. I love this schedule that Optimus Solo put together with three and two, three and two. That way... It doesn't feel like my head is going to explode after two and a half hours of recording two different podcasts. <laughs> yeah, and it works out well, too, because uh, on the DVDs, at least uh, most of them so far have five episodes on them. So... Yeah, this um, between episodes 17 and, and 18, this was all uh, on one disc. All five of these episodes between episodes 17 and 18 were on one disc of the DVD set, so that that was really nice, and you didn't have to switch discs and back and forth and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so we're going to get to the episodes after this. Lee, did you say no one has been in the village since that night? That's right. Bruce, take a look at this. What is it, Dad? Something that looks a lot more like tread marks than scorpion tracks. Perhaps our monster is simply a vehicle in Scorpion's clothing? Yeah, or else it was driving. Gasoline? Looks like one of these rocks may have punctured the fuel tank. Let's run it through Thunderhawk. If I'm right, there may be some real venom in this phony Scorpion. All right, first up is the Chinese Scorpion. Venom agent Bruno Shepard disguises Stinger as a giant iron scorpion and kidnaps 
the archaeologist who knows the location of buried treasure inside the Great Wall of China. Okay, first of all, um, Bruno who? Stinger what? This is the first time we've gotten a new Venom character. Yeah, this is great. I, I love that. Uh, I love that we finally get to see a new character. Yes, exactly. Um, and it's another treasure hunt. I, I like how they used the Great Wall of China. I think that was kind of cool. Um, I don't think Matt should have come bursting out of the side of it, though. That That's a little... Um, no. Yeah. That was a little off. But uh, overall, the plot, I, I liked it. It was interesting. But again, it's another treasure hunt. It's another, another uh, treasure hunt, sort of a mystery again. They're all mysteries almost. Uh, but there were a lot of things I liked about this one. Um, no, there, there are a lot of things I liked about it. It just... There's a lot of things that apparently I don't like about it, too. <laughs> I, I think... Yeah, sorry. No, it's just... I'm... I want more out of this show, and sadly, I know it's not going to give me any more than what it is. Me too. Uh, Venom is always after money or some treasure or some power. That's that's just going to be their focus in every episode, unfortunately. Uh, so we know that that's the road we're going to go down eventually. But uh, this episode, I actually felt like this one was a bit more of a mystery than it was a treasure hunt. I mean, it does turn into the treasure hunt, but we start off with the scorpion... Mm -hmm. uh, breaking through that wall and basically destroying this village. I mean, there's this rubble everywhere. I don't know how that scorpion destroyed so much of the village. Um, but there, there's this rubble all over the place. Uh, and so, you know, Mass goes in to figure out what happened and help them out. Um, and do we do eventually get to that point where we realize that, yeah, this was all just to find some treasure. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. All right, let's get to the high beams. Boy, talk about being stuck between a rock and a hard place. You said it. All right, so I have way more low beams than I do high beams, so let me get these out of the way. Uh, finally, we haven't seen Hondo in a while. That was a nice change of pace. Yeah. Um, Thunderhawk has the spinneroonie down. Somebody called Booker T, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> when it was spinning out of control in the sky. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. Uh, it was doing three sixties. Yep. Hey, looky there, a new Venom team member. Hi, Shepard. Um, and I do love Rhino in battle mode. That is so awesome. I love. That was by far one of my. I had Rhino as a kid. That was by far oh. one of the coolest toys. Ever, because it's basically, you know, you know, we've said and you and you've said this and I've said this. Mask is basically trans. What would happen if Transformers and GI Joe basically collide? And this is kind of a little bit what it would be like. Um, but the Rhino toy, it talk about a toy that lives up to its animation model and its animation standards as far as what it does in the cartoon versus what the actual product did. It does everything that that it does in the show it has the the smokestacks that are the laser cannons right. it has a it has a little compartment in the back where you open it up and it is the base where alex is usually in where bruce normally drives the truck the back of the thing 
the the two wheeler thing pops off and it becomes its own little Optimus Prime roller type thing. Um, it, it was, oh god, it was so awesome! Absolutely love that toy. Yeah, it was cool. I didn't have it as I said on uh, an earlier episode. My brother had the Thunderhawk, and I think my cousin had Rhino and. When you saw that toy in the commercials, I mean, when I saw the toy in the commercials anyway, um, I just wanted it. I mean, I, I was in a semis big time when I was younger. Um, I liked semis, and um, so I wanted that toy very badly. And just because it did all those other things that you just mentioned, it looked very cool, and I, and I wanted it, but unfortunately I didn't have one. Yeah. I um, And like I, I think I said this back in episode 15, you know, just based on Rhino, you could so pull off a mask movie now because you've got the Optimus Prime, Optimus Prime in the live-action Transformers movies, it, especially in Age of Extinction, looks just like you, re, you repaint that thing purple, splash a mask, you know, splash the M-A-S-K on it, bam, Rhino right there. Because it, it was that, that, that forward cab, you know, that that forward grill cab it wasn't you know yeah uh, a snub nose cab so that'll work all right what did you like about this one well uh unlike you i have a lot of high beams more <laughs> than i have low beams uh there were a lot of things i liked about this one honestly uh we get to see hondo again as you mentioned which was great we get to see the hurricane his vehicle the 57 chevy that uh can have six tires so that was great i, I like when they, they called hondo uh on the computer we get to see him lifting weights he's apparently an olympic weightlifter um and he lifts a huge amount of weight like 315 pounds and just, just hands it to a guy after he's lifted over his head so he's lucky he didn't kill that guy um yeah we see that alex is growing hair on the back of mice <laughs> and monkeys <laughs> and then yeah it's take off and then it spills on the monkey um, and it grew very fast too. Yeah, it did. But uh, I, you know, speaking of new characters, again, we get to see Bruno Shepard. We don't get to see him a whole lot in this episode, but it was just nice that we got to see another character introduced. Um, and we have this scorpion this running around, causing all this destruction, but it actually happens to be Bruno's vehicle underneath. And uh, so that was a bit of a surprise, and we get to see what his vehicle looks like, and I think it's actually a pretty cool-looking vehicle. Um, it kind of looks like a, an old Camaro, like an old 70s Camaro, I'm not sure, or a Firebird, perhaps. I'm not sure which one it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, I thought T-Bob has some funny lines as well. There was a moment where they're eating with the Chinese boy at the table, and he's trying to teach them how to eat with chopsticks, and Scott's telling T-Bob, hey, watch this, and he tries to pick up this noodle or something and drops it on the floor, and T-Bob's like, what, you just dropped your food on the floor? <laughs> so I thought that was funny. Um, we got to see Matt wearing the rhino mask and suit again. I, I like that a lot. I think that's really cool. Oh, yeah, the um, the alternate uh, mask for him. Yeah, I like that mask a heck of a lot better than Spectrum. Yeah. I mean, I like the Spectre mask and everything. I think the suit is great, and I think it does work very well with Thunderhawk, but it's cool to see him in this mask, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, let's see. Oh, uh, I love the ending of this episode. Um, <laughs> because uh, Venom, they get trapped in there with the treasure that they were looking for, and there are all these scorpions surrounding them, and yep. they're just left there. 
we basically fade to black with them standing there surrounded by scorpions and and i just love that but that, yeah, was, that great. was pretty cool <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it, it's gonna be interesting to see which i know they won't ever do this but um well, actually they don't do this even even in this in this episode of the podcast when we get to Riddle of the Raven Master, I'm going to ask the question, how the hell did they get out of that pyramid? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, they were stuck in there, and I think we actually see a brief shot of Mask just driving away. Yep, yep, pretty much. All right, let's get to the low beams after this. What's it going to do? It wants to bury us. Four low beams. You said you don't have much, and I know I have a lot of them. So what are some things that you don't like about this one? Letting me go first on the low beams. Uh, get mine out of the way. Okay. Um, well, the plot has the, the weak point of of basically throwing in this treasure hunt. I think that that really is one of the things that, that uh, weakened the episode a bit. Uh, we didn't really need to have this in here. Well, maybe, maybe we had... Have, we had to have something in here, I suppose, but I thought the addition of this lost treasure of Kubla Khan was just weak. I mean, there was enough going on during the episode that I just didn't really care about the treasure. Yeah. Um, they just kind of threw that in there, but it did give us that great moment at the end, so I'm not going to fault it too much for that. And then I know that the computer is supposed to be kind of this all-powerful, all-knowing thing, um, and it's great that they, uh, in a lot of these cartoons, they have these giant screens and amazing computers that can do all these things that were not possible then and may not be possible for another 10, 15, 50 years from now or maybe never. But really, the computer can just analyze the soil and pin it down to latitude and longitude in seconds. Mm. Well, the bad computer can do that, so why not? Yeah, but this isn't Batman. <laughs> <laughs> what have you got, Mike? I well, I think I think it's more so not necessarily what what would really have that I would have a problem with that is not necessarily pinning it pinning the location down of where the soil came from, but the fact is the computer knows it is from Venom's vehicles. That's what I would have the problem with right there. Yeah, there's, um, there's another moment, uh, maybe it's in the next episode, where it can analyze hair as well and tell us it's Vanessa's hair. And Yeah. Yeah, that's the sort yeah. of thing I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, for me, giant scorpion with tank treads. Really? Really, no one in the entire episode noticed the giant tank treads on the back of this thing. Oh, God. The episode basically has no plot. It's just a treasure hunt. That's all it is. Um, the scorpion shoots straight through Thunderhawk, yet Bruce and Matt are unharmed. Yet when uh, last week Rhino shot the wings off Switchblade, the vehicle gets slightly destroyed. The inconsistency of this series really, really irks me. <laughs> like, like seriously, the Scorpion shot right through Thunderhawk, right through the friggin' windows. Bruce and Matt should both be dead. Uh, man, I'm trying to think. I guess I didn't catch that. 
I mean, the one thing I did catch was uh, Thunderhawk when it was um, all busted up from coming outside, coming out of the Great Wall of China because it got trapped in there. They uh, yeah. venom trapped it in there, and it was all busted up. But um, yeah. they did acknowledge what damage that would do to Thunderhawk. But I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember the shot of Rhino. I'll have to go back and check that out. Oh no, no, no! Rhino was Rhino was another episode. Um, uh, last. It was it was in last week's episode. It was in the last podcast. It wasn't oh. wasn't no what I'm saying is the scorpion scene shooting through Thunderhawk. Okay. That what what I'm saying is it shot the laser beams, the animation effect on the laser beams went right through Thunderhawk. It didn't pass by it, it didn't pass over it. It went it looked like it was going right through Bruce and Matt's head, and nothing happened to either one of them. Oh, okay. So they didn't Yet acknowledge that pr- that uh, that was it, shot as like a direct hit at the Thunderhawk. I gotcha. Right. Yet in a previous episode, Rhino shot the wings off of Switchblade. So I, the animation <sighs> so inconsistent. It's so inconsistent. Um, and Matt. No real quote-unquote creature has laser beams, you idiot. Um, so if the team arrived in the plane, how did Matt and Bruce get to China from the mansion? Because it shows them in this episode at the mansion first, and then they're all of a sudden in China. I thought they did show the, the giant carrier, because didn't Matt look it up the shows... sky and acknowledge that it had, it had arrived and the, new t- the, new mem- the members were now there? Yes, but it doesn't show how Matt and Bruce got from the mansion to China. In the very beginning of the episode, they are at Matt's house. Yeah. And then, you know, Matt's like, okay, Bruce, let's go do it, or let's go get him, or whatever else. And all of a sudden, you see the Thunderhawk just going off, and all of a sudden, it's in China. No explanation. Because later, the plane does arrive with the other members. That's what I'm saying. What I have a problem with is them not explaining how Matt and Bruce got to China magically, you know, teleportation or whatever the hell. Um, Well, they, right. uh, So you're saying, yeah, they must have, you're saying they should have been on the transport that brought the other members over later. But that happens with so many other episodes, too, because... Yeah. Oh, no, no, it, 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 it's not something exclusive to this episode. Yeah. You're right. But I, I um, just wonder how they're getting around that with, with all these episodes where they can be around the globe with their vehicles. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, surely they're, they're not, uh, you know, coming across on, you know, on a boat or, or being flown in a, in a giant plane or something everywhere they go around the world because they're somewhere different every, every week yeah. or something. Um, what's it gonna do? It wants to bury us! Now Thunderhawk should really be completely destroyed. Because the, first of all, the Scorpion picks it up and crushes the Thunderhawk, and then it slams it into the ground, and yet it's still not destroyed. It buries itself, or it buries the Thunderhawk, and then the Thunderhawk, amazingly, you know, the, the boosters work and they get out. And yes, it does look damaged. But I mean, like, the way that Scorpion picked that car up looked like, you know, something you, you would see in a junkyard or a salvage yard where, you know, the crane picks up the destroyed cars. Um, it's just, uh, the inconsistency is just, you know. 
If I'm going, I'm going armed. Oh god, T-Bob. Oh god. Yeah, with the little chopsticks that he had. I thought that was kind of funny because he goes charging in and he pulls out those chopsticks. I'm going unarmed. Yeah. No radios in traffic is the PSA. Well, duh. That's a good message. Uh, and it, didn't... it is a good message. We've heard this before, though. Yeah. I've seen this. Not this specific PSA, but I've seen this message before. So, uh, What are you going to rank this one? Uh, I'm sure it's going to be on a scale far from your ranking. But uh, <laughs> like I said, I, I like this one a lot. I didn't uh, fault it for the Scorpion issue so much because it... I didn't think it was supposed to be considered a real scorpion. Um, maybe that's how they wrote it in the episode or intended it to be. But I mean, I I knew it was a mechanical scorpion to begin with because I'm no, like I'm, you said. I'm not, yeah, I'm not faulting the scorpion. I'm faulting the other people in the episode. Like they wouldn't realize it's not a real scorpion and has two giant tank treads coming out of the back of it. Right. I saw those treads immediately and. Knew that I knew it was going to be mechanical anyway. This is yeah, mask, but yeah. you know you see the trez as this rolling away. So yeah. um, I, I I enjoyed this one for having Hondo back for the new Venom member. Um, there were some funny lines. I thought uh, T. Bob and Scott actually had some good moments in this one. Uh, there were fewer puns. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It was just enjoyable. I thought the pacing was good. There was plenty of action, so... This uh, is going to be my first five. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, we are on completely different spectrums of the scale. Um, <laughs> for the... <laughs> for getting Hondo back and for seeing a new Venom member, I'm putting that as a, at a tie of awesome moments. And therefore, the episode only gets a one because everything oh, wow. else is just so horrible. Wow, that's so bad. That surprises me. I, I'm I'm surprised to hear that you you disliked it that much. Yeah, I I may I'm not going to, but I may. Okay, yeah, three moments. I guess I could give it a two, but I'm not going to because everything else that is so bad in this episode kind of outweighs. Like, if it was Rhino doing the entire mission by itself, that would give it at least a two or a three, you know, using its multiple modes, but it only showed up once. Um, so, yeah, one out of five for me. So we're going to move on to the final episode of the day after this. And according to legend, if the Ravens ever leave the tower, the British Empire will fall. He can't fly. That's correct, lad. The Tower Ravens have cliff wings. That's how we guarantee the safety of the Empire. Then it couldn't have been the Tower Ravens who attacked that yeoman warder at the ceremony. 
Those airborne ravens are a bad omen. Birds of a bad feather flock together. Someone trained those birds to attack the yeoman warder. You're right, Bruce. If only we had some clue, maybe we could solve the mystery. Would this help? Where'd you get this, Scott? I picked it up right after the attack. Good work, Scott. A feather in the hand is worth two ravens on the fly. Alright, finally up today is Riddle of the Raven Master. Venom agent Vanessa Warfield uses trained ravens to steal London's crown jewels. As a diversion, Slyrax plants a bomb in Big Ben. Scott and T-Bob meet the ravens of the Tower of London. Oh, God. Matt is knighted. Really? Matt Tracker gets knighted? Oh, my thoughts exactly. What's he getting knighted for? Why? He's easily the worst father in 80s cartoons history. Um... Oh my god. Why, 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 why? <laughs> oh god. I, you know, I know we mentioned last time that, you know, he is a philanthropist and he donates all his time and money to these charities and all this and all that and, you know, organizations, but if you look at Matt Tracker on a whole so far, we're 40 something episodes into this series out of 75. He is by far the most not there, inconsistent, inconsiderate father I have ever seen in a cartoon series. It, it's like, a wonder that uh, that Scott survived his childhood <laughs> with Matt as, as his father because uh, he's just he's always into trouble. He takes him around the globe and he's just having T Bob basically babysit Scott. And we all know that T Bob can't babysit Scott. Scott's always tinkering with T Bob and getting into various. Mm-hmm trouble and and just not doing what he's told and and uh you, you can't just leave kids alone like that you can't just leave them with a robot hell no hell no um what did you like or, or, or what did you what did you think of the overall plot for this one well it's another heist uh you know treasure hunt sort of episode um it's it's kind of typical for what we've seen so far in the series. One of the things that was kind of cool, um, we we talked about this before, how that sometimes series brings in um, pieces of culture or history, and they talk about the the uh, the ravens, and that mm-hmm. uh, there's a superstition that says that if the Tower of London ravens are lost or fly away, the crown will fall and Britain with it. Uh, that is an actual thing, apparently. It's an actual superstition. So there's there's some information about there about out there out there about it. So I was checking that out. So that that was kind of cool that they weave that in. Um, because when I when I heard that in the episode, I was like, wait a minute, did they just make this up or is this a thing? Um, and I think I'd actually maybe heard it before, but I always have to double check because you just never know if if they're mm-hmm. just pulling something out of the air or not. But that was kind of cool. But overall, it was uh, a typical episode, and I just didn't find this one to be one of the stronger episodes of the series. Pretty pretty weak plot point, and there really was no need to have uh, Matt knighted. It didn't really play into the episode later on. It was just a way for us to get to Britain, I suppose. I, yeah, I guess. Um, 
now. Alright, we're gonna get to the high beams after this. You've got to get the bomb off the clapper! If the bell rings, it'll explode! How would you two like to fly on the wind? I just hope we're not gone with the wind. I already feel like Clock Gable. Turning on the high beam. Ravens, London, where's Edgar Allan Poe when you really need him? Yeah, they actually have a Poe reference in here as well. Miles says it. The quote mm -hmm. from the Raven, nevermore. Yeah. Um, again, the animation in the showdown scene is fabulous. Very sleek and fluid. Uh, I absolutely love that. Um, Clock Gable. T-Bob, you are nuts. Oh my God. Is that what he said? I rewound that one to see he's, what he said. I knew it was supposed to be Clark Gable, but I was like, he he's said, not saying Clark. He said Clock Gable. Oh, jeez. Uh, get off my bike, you dirty birds. <laughs> I love Rax. Sly Rax is one of the best 80s villains. <laughs> one of the best 80s henchmen, at least. Um, he is great. They, uh, you know, He's voiced kind of like how they voice Shipwreck in G.I. Joe, where he comes off sounding a little bit like Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he. I think he's great. Yeah. What did you have for high beams? Uh, Scott almost gets the axe. Yeah, that would be a good thing. I would say. Well, it, it was just it was just kind of a good way to go into that commercial break where he has this axe coming at him. I'm not, you know, looking for yeah. for Scott to get killed up in the series or anything, but uh, thought that was a good way to go into the cliffhanger for that commercial break. Um, again, referencing some history in the show, I'll give us some points for that. And then I'm not sure whether to count this as a high beam or a low beam, but Vanessa trained Ravens to assist them in stealing the crown jewels. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a little questionable. Yeah. I wasn't sure how to count that one necessarily. That, I kind of like the idea, but then again, it's so far fetched. I'm not sure. Yeah. So. All right, we're going to hit the low beams after this. And so, quote the ravens nevermore. All right, for the low beams, there are way too many bird puns in this episode. Way too many. Agreed. Uh, so Scott's sweater gets caught on a hook. Why didn't he just reach behind and free it versus standing there like an ass trying to get free? Then he kicks something over. Uh... And boom, a statue falls, and an axe is headed straight for his head. Oh, God. And then, of course, there are several puns that follow that one. I almost lost mm. my head over that one. and Yeah. And I think uh, T-Bob even carries it a step further, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, you were fine with one, but you don't need to <laughs> keep going. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you know, you poke the bear once. After that, you, you stop poking the bear. Um I know that Miles and most of the Venom agents know Matt Tracker's voice. Or they, they. This is one problem I have with this entire series is when Scott and T Bob always get involved. You know, Dad Scott, Scott Dad, and you know, why? You know, there are times where Scott will just say Scott to mask, Scott to mask. This time he says Dad, Scott to Dad, Scott to. It just. It's just one of those little things that it didn't really take a point off for me, but it's just one of those little things that irks the crap out of me. It was a little weird when he was saying, when Matt was calling back to Scott saying, 
Dad, Dad to Scott. Scott. Dad, yeah. yeah, a little strange too. Um, I, I don't think this was a vocal error. I don't think it was an anim- it might have been an animation error. I don't know. But after Alex grabs the jewels, he already has the jackrabbit on. He's flying around in the air, and he says jackrabbit on again. But the thing was already on. It never shut off because he was in the air the entire time. Can I just he say, never? Yeah. Yeah. Can I just say, I don't like Alex's mask. <laughs> I, I think Alex is a fine character uh, on the series, and I like Rhino. Obviously, I love Rhino. He, that's awesome. Yeah. But his mask is one of my least favorite. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. It, it's a little out there. Right, I don't, I don't like the design very much or the power. I, I think it's one of the weaker designs. Yep. So finally, never touch, never touch a hot stove. I learned this the hard way when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Did you really? Yes. <laughs> I, th- I think a lot of kids have. I probably have too. I don't remember a specific incident, but I remember being told not to touch anything on the hot stove. Yeah. yeah. So that was a good PSA. Um, on this one, I did want to mention, yeah, this was the episode where the computer could detect that the hair that was found on the raven feather was from Vanessa. Yeah. So that was just like, oh, boy. Um, if I could turn back time, I'm surprised I didn't throw a line like that in there. I mean, I don't know, don't know when, that, when that song came out, but... Uh, the way they stopped the bomb from going off on Big Ben is that T-Bob oh, yeah. and Scott worked to uh, stop the arm from moving on the clock. I was just like, really? <laughs> this is how we're going to stop the bomb? <laughs> Would that even work? I, I don't I don't think so. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, for me, I'm going to give this two masks out of five. I... <sighs> The series is so inconsistent as far as the plots, and half the plots end up being heists or or mysteries that I just don't care about, or treasure hunts, and it's just... Uh, but this one specifically, too many bird puns. Um, Scott not actually using his brain and being an ass uh, gets it two out of five masks for me. What about you? I still can't believe that you would rank this one higher than that last episode, but nah. uh, <laughs> we're going to agree on this one. I'm giving this one two masks. All right. We're going to take a quick break, come back with final thoughts after this, and close out the show. I'm Colin Baker. My name's Fraser Hines. Hi, I'm Daphne Ashbrook. This is Andrew Cartmel. Hi, this is Colin Spool. Hello, I'm Simon Fisher Becker. This is Ian McNeese. Hi, this is Travis Ritchie. You listen to this, Mark Tunes. Listen to Mark Who 42's Universe. If you're into Doctor Who, listen to Mark Who 42's Universe. We always have the latest Doctor Who news, reviews, and interviews. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio. Cast Radio Network and our home base, markwho42.net. Mark who? 42, the meaning of life. So let's say you're looking for a podcast of your favorite 80s comic books, G.I. Joe, Transformers, Ninja Turtles, He-Man, etc. Where are you going to go to find us? Welcome to Star Joe's Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. And I'm Chuck. That's right, everybody. We're the Star Joe's. We host a podcast called Star Joe's Podcast. 
where we talk about your favorite comic books, your favorite toys of all the 80s properties. Star Wars, G.I. Joe, Transformers, Mask, Thundercats, Voltron, you name it, we cover it. If it's in the 80s, we will we'll cover it at some point. Yeah, so what you want to do to find us, you can go to iTunes, you can go to www.starjoes.com. And remember, the Force will be with you, because knowing us is half the battle. Yes, that's right. We have traveled to Eternia to enter Castle Grayskull. Join Optimus Solo and TF Gen Mike as they find themselves telling tales of Eternia. We cover all things He-Man in this 45-episode-long podcast. You can find us on iTunes and www.geekassradio.com. By the power of Grayskull, we all have the power. Alright, folks, we are back. Um, so far, this series is episode of the week villain plot of the week as i said last time in episode 17 there is zero character growth in any of the characters um there's zero character development in any of the characters it's like they're all just stuck in a time capsule and i'm not even comparing this to today's storytelling of animation at all Mm. i'm comparing it in the moment at the time that this was happening as we've already said in this episode and in episode 17, there were many other cartoons at this time that were actually telling stories and not just doing bland treasure hunts every single week. Um, any other final thoughts before I close it out? There's more that they could do with the show, and it's unfortunate that they didn't because there were a lot of cool concepts here. Um you know, we, we've said it before, and I'm sure we'll say it again, how it does become very redundant. Um, hopefully in the future there'll be uh, some more variety, you know, bringing in some more characters perhaps. And, and sure, the plots probably won't be much more than what we've seen, which is, you know, there's a treasure hunt. There's, uh, you know, some reason for Miles to pick up some artifact or, or steal some money somewhere. But uh, maybe at least we can get some variety in the characters and, uh, you know, some more more interesting plots. Um, I mean, I like the scorpion thing. I actually thought that was, you know, it was different to see that rather than um, just the, the Venom vehicles or something. Um, but, yeah, there's just too many of these plots that uh, are just about treasure hunting and, and things we've seen a million times before. So... You know, sorry if we're starting to sound a bit redundant here, but that's just what we've been dealt with, folks. <laughs> that's what the show is. It's redundancy all over. <laughs> and, and the thing is, as we said before, you know, you can look at shows like, I mean, G.I. Joe, I think, is another good example where you have a plot of the week. And there are a lot of shows that were like that back in the 80s, as you alluded to. Or, or even something like Muppet Babies. I mean, it's the same sort of thing every every week. Um but they made it interesting. It wasn't just the same old tired plot. They found some way to to make it interesting. One of my favorite shows was the real Ghostbusters. And, you know, they came up with creative ways to catch the ghost. They came up with great designs for the ghosts and, and things like that. But they also came up with interesting ways to, to catch the ghost. It wasn't always just about throwing down a trap and blasting it with a proton gun. 
Um, And, you know, with masks, they don't find a lot of interesting ways to to handle where they're going with the plot. Um, And then, like I said before, we we have just so few characters to work with. Um, Whereas G.I. Joe, you had a lot of different characters. And, uh, you know, each of them had very unique personalities and things. And uh, and a lot of these characters are kind of flat. We don't, like you said, we don't really get much character development. We don't really get to know much about the characters. We just know that Matt is like this squeaky clean leader type. um, And Miles is just an evil guy and has yeah. a bunch of evil horsemen. And that's, that's about the gist of it. We don't really get much background on any of the characters to really care for them very much, um, or get invested in them. I mean, there are small moments between like Vanessa and Rax where they, they have banter between them. And I like that. There are small moments between Matt and, and some of his, his, uh, masked members that, that I like, but, Overall, it's not a series that is forward-moving at all. It's just stuck in a time capsule. Yeah. Thank you for joining us here on Mass Mayhem. There are some ways to get in contact with us or leave feedback for the show. Visit the website, geekcastradio.com, where you can comment on this and all of our other episode posts. You can also check out the entire site is revamped, all new, fully interactive, Send email to feedback at geekcastradio.com. Put in the subject line, Mass Mayhem. Uh, leave the show's feedback on iTunes. Please do this. Follow us on Twitter. Mine is TFG and Mike. You can also follow at Geekcast Radio for all the other network updates. What is your Twitter? Tim Silvers. Become a fan on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash geekcastradio network. Call the voicemail line. Tell us the show you leave the message for and your name. 502-526-5821. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Mask May and wish you'll be joining us next time when we'll be covering three more episodes from Mask Season 1, those being The Spectre of Captain Kidd, The Secret of the Stones, and The Lost Fleet. So all three are treasure hunt mysteries. Great. <laughs> for now, I'm TFD and Mike with... Toon Master Tim. Thank you for listening. Until next time, podcasting is the ultimate weapon. No night school for me. I've got my own suit of armor. Illusion is the ultimate weapon. 